0: A blessing. Uh, appreciate you, young man. Appreciate we willing to get up and give a testimony. And um, I, I will say this for anyone else that's looking and praying about next steps after high school and all that: just make sure that you leave everything right when you go. Meaning, if you're in school, finish school. If you got a job, do a good job with your job and then go. Don't don't leave things undone um, because God blesses that. And uh, I, I appreciate you giving testimony, Isaac. Thank you very much, brother. Uh, all right, go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter number 2, and stand with me. We're going to read from Matthew 2 as well as 1 Kings chapter 13. Matthew chapter 2 as well as 1 Kings chapter number 13. Matthew 2, we're going to start reading in verse number 7. This is obviously a, I alluded to this on Wednesday night. I talked about how uh, we are going to read from a Christmas passage, but not necessarily uh, stay there the entire time. Uh, If you haven't learned this at all about me yet, I I do like Christmas. I I could preach from Christmas passages all year long. There's a lot of great material in the beginning of the Gospels. uh, But uh, Matthew chapter 2, again, learning about the wise men and what they did. Look, if you would, at verse number 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. There's a lot in here. First off, he's not a baby. Secondly, the wise men never make it to the major scene. They go to a house. There's all that historical stuff. But but I want to call your attention to verse number uh, 11 and 12. Verse 11, when they were coming to the house and they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him, and when they'd opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream. Now, before I read all of verse 12, I would say that, that verse 11 kind of proves that they they got what they came for. They, they were able to meet the, the Messiah. They met Jesus Christ the King of Kings, as a young child, doesn't say how old, maybe a year, two years, I don't know, but he's not a baby anymore, he's a young child. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ as a child, and they presented their treasures. They didn't come just to, to get something, they came to give something, right? It's, it, by the way, the, the way that you get more is by giving, all right? And I don't just mean financially, I mean, when you come with the Spirit of God, I am yours, I am here for you, I want to pour myself out for you, you just get more out of life. So their tank is full, they, they're excited, and, and they're about to go on, and look what the Lord does in verse 12. The Lord warns them. What does He warn them about? Being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. There's some people and some places and situations you don't need to return to this year. Now look what it says here. They departed into their own country. What are the next two words? Go to First Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings 13, look if you would at verse number 1. Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam, that's a king of Israel, stood by the altar to burn incense. And he, the prophet, uh, this man of God, doesn't give us his name. He's just a man of God. That's all we know about him. He cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. Now, if you don't know what's going on, King Jeroboam uh, has taken over the reign of the uh, the, the northern ten tribes of Israel, and he saw that the, the people of Israel would eventually go back to Jerusalem which is in the south, which is where they should go to worship, that they would go back and they'd find their way back to the kingdom of Judah if he didn't make it easier for them. And he built altars and, and built golden calves so the people could worship up north instead of traveling down south because he was afraid when they, when they got there, they would realize, well, if this is where God told us to worship, maybe we should follow that king instead of King Jeroboam. So Jeroboam's got this whole religious setup mainly to preserve his own power. And so he's doing this, and then this prophet shows up out of nowhere. This man of God shows up and says, hey, by the way, this isn't right. This altar is going to break. It's going to fold. It's going to fall out, and the ashes are going to be poured out. And it's like him saying to Jeroboam, what do you think you're doing with this false worship? Jeroboam did not like that at all. So Jeroboam says, lay hold on him. He says, let's kill him. And then here's where we pick up the story. Look, if you would, in verse number four, it says this. He put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him, and his hand, the king's hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, And pray for me that my hand may be restored again. Can can you just give me a moment here while I set this up? I know you're standing, but bear with me. Can you imagine watching this thing? And the king one minute goes, kill him. And the next minute he's going, can you pray for me? (laughs) And that's literally what's going on in the story. All right, The, the Bible, honestly, guys, is the most interesting book when it deals with human nature on this planet. All right, there's no other book that comes close to it. So here this guy is uh, uh, basically want to threaten the guy. Then go and pray for me. And look what it says here. The man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him again and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went, what are the next two words? You know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to go another way. But I, I, I want you to understand this. There are going to be some enemies on your new path with the Lord going forward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Steon, we're going to miss you. If you would pray for us and ask God's blessing on the word. On the Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. You know one thing that you learn about the Lord? Uh, you remember the story of the maniac of Gadara and how the maniac wants to go with the Lord. And you know what the Lord tells him? Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. So the, the Lord, oftentimes you, you, you learn this, that the Lord is, is completely okay with you coming however you are. The Lord has no problem with that at all. You come dirty, you come humble, you come broken, you come however you need to come. God will take you if you want His righteousness. Thank God for that. But He does not want you leaving the same way that you came. God wants you going another way. The Lord is not, listen, I think we've heard it so long, come as you are, come as you are, come as you are, that we've almost started to believe that you just leave the same way you came. That's not biblical at all. God wants you to come as you are because he wants you to recognize that you cannot fix you. You cannot fix the inner turmoil, the anxiety, the fear, the anger, the wrath, the pride, the lust, the jealousy, the covetousness, and if I didn't get yours, it's up there too. Amen? You can't fix all of that on your own. God has to do that. So you come as you are, but you leave differently than you came. So those wise men, we don't know exactly what happened when they left. We just simply know that they went another way. The Bible doesn't tell us anything after that moment in time. It doesn't tell us what they encountered on their trip. It doesn't tell us who they met on the way. It just says that they went another way. However, our story in 1 Kings is different. Because in 1 Kings 13, the Bible gives us a lot of insight not just to what the man did when he cried under the altar and the altar poured out and, and Jeroboam was, was uh, basically trying to threaten to kill him and all that kind of stuff. We, we see all that, but, but furthermore, what it does is it tells us what happens after this. And it is after this that makes a lot of difference. Can I just say this? The Lord desires for you to come to him. You need to get that this morning. He does. The Bible says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus said, suffer the little children to what? To come unto me. I'm, I'm seeing a pattern here. The pattern is this. We serve a God that desires fellowship and relationship with us. He wants us to come to him. The question is, after we have met with him, how do we leave? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, the spirit and the bride say what? Come. And the Bible says, let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life for you. God wants you to come. The Lord desires to know you and to have fellowship with you and for you to know him. Uh, And let me just say this, sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll miss out. You remember over there in John chapter number 20, where the disciples are gathered and they see the Lord uh, comes in the midst of them after his resurrection, and the Bible says that Thomas was not there. Remember that? You know what Thomas did? He missed out on being in the presence of the Lord. Can I say this this year? Don't miss out on coming to him. The Lord desires you to come to him, but he wants you to leave differently than how it came, you know I, 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 when I read the New Testament, I, I, I know what 's going on right now. people are thinking, I want to lose ten pounds, I want to lose twenty pounds. I want to go to the gym ten times a day or whatever it might be, you know whatever your resolution might be. you know, I want to be kinder to my family, I want to have a better marriage. I, I want to read ten books a month. I want to all these different i 'm not saying that they 're all bad, but can I just say this? More than anything, what you ought to be saying to yourself this morning is, Lord, I want to draw closer to you, and Lord, when you send me out there again, I want to leave differently than how I came. I'm tired of the same old, same old, and God, that's not your fault. The Lord wants you to leave different. Zacchaeus was different after he met the Lord. Nicodemus was different. Peter was different. John was different. Thomas was different. Pilate was different. But you know what you're going to find if you want to do something for the Lord and you want to live a life that reflects going another way? You go, Lord, I, I want to go, I want to move in a different path. Lord, I, I don't want to and follow the same path I did last year or even last week. God, I, I, want, I, want, I want things to be different this year. And by the way, can I just say this, January 1st is not, it's like a fairy tale for grown-ups like evolution is. Like, I wake up on January 1st and I'm just different now. No, no, the same work it would have taken a week ago, it's going to take this year as well. You're not going to magically wake up and all, all of a sudden have all the, the, the willpower and the strength and the fortitude to say no to that 10th donut. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? You're, you're going to need, listen, if you're going to do anything for the Lord, you're going to need his strength and his might and his power. But what it necessitates is the mindset that I'm coming to you, Lord, not so I can just get something out of you, but Lord, so I can leave differently than how I came. He tells this man of God. Over in First Kings, look, I want you to go, I want you to preach to the king, and I want you to leave. That's it. And I, want you, I don't want you to go the same way you came. Why did God do that? Great preaching, great message out of it, but why do you think God told that man that? I don't know. I can't tell you 100% why, but I think for us, it is a picture of the fact that whatever God wants you to do in your life, it's going to require a different way forward than the way that you came. Listen, there are things that God may have used in your life or even allowed in your life a year ago that he may not want for you right now. Do you understand that? Based off of your ignorance, based off of things that you did not know, based off of where you were at. And God's going, okay, that was fine then. It got you to where you're at. But if you want to move ahead, you got to be different. you got to go a different way. There has to be some things that you look at. And understand this, when you want to do something for the Lord and you want to be different, there are going to be some adversaries. You know, I quote this verse often. I love this verse. Paul says this, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. It does not say there's a great door and effectual, but there are many adversaries. It says, and there are many adversaries. You know what that tells me? The two thoughts are connected. You want to move through an open door that God has for you, there will be problems. Amen. There will be enemies. You, you may decide today, Lord, I want to go a new path forward with you. Understand this. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not trying to discourage you. you will not, it will not all be smooth sailing for you if you want to do that. There will be obstacles. There will be enemies to that. Why? Because the devil is invested in making sure. Look at verse 14 in our passage. Look at verse 14. Notice here. It says this. There was another person that did what? He went after the man of God. And the other person we're going to read about in just a little bit, that went after the man of God. He messes this guy up all over the place. You know what that shows you? As soon as you're determined to do that which is right, you will be a target for the devil. You're going to experience some hardship. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in, I just can't get over this sin. It keeps showing up everywhere in my life. It's almost like now that I'm coming to church, and now that I'm trying to read my Bible, and now that I'm trying to do right, there's this thing that just keeps showing up in my life. And can I say this? Don't be shocked by that. Don't be surprised by that. Listen, the, the modern day idea that once you get saved, you know, and, uh, everything's going to be great in your life, and everything's going to be perfect, and no more bills, and no more... You know what they're describing? That's heaven! You're not there yet. You know what you're going to have to deal with? Some adversaries. There are going to be some enemies on your path. And the question is, how do you deal with them? Let, let me let me say this, you cannot deal with them if you can't identify them. You know, one of the hardest things about guerrilla warfare, when you go into a a place like they did with Iraq and Fallujah and all that stuff, uh, or even Afghanistan, is here you are fighting people who don't necessarily wear uniforms that tell you who they are and you don't know where the firing's going to come from, and you're not sure, they know the terrain better than you do, and there you are with the uniform saying, shoot me, you can see me from where you're at, and I can't see you. That's how, it, that's how it goes in war sometimes. You know what it's like in the spiritual life? The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know what you're involved in? A spiritual battle. You know what Paul says? That thou mightest war a good warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. I've seen, I've seen uh, all kinds of memes and things out there where it says fight the good fight, you know, and whether it's this justice movement or that, 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 this comes from the Bible, the fight the good fight thing. You can't just take that and put your picture on it. That's Bible. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, you're involved in a battle. Some of you want to do things differently. You want to go on a new path forward for the Lord because that's what God desires for you. But you need to understand there's going to be some enemies. I want to help you. Can I give you number one, the enemy of compromise fellowship? The enemy of compromise fellowship. Look, if you would, at verse 14. And when after the man of God, say, Who is this? Some older prophet? Some older man? I would say it like this He would say to the young prophet, I'm a Christian like you are. And look, I don't see why you're, you, you make such a big deal out of the Bible. I don't see why you make such a big deal out of living right and being pure. I don't see why you make such a big deal about not watching that or not, not thinking that way or raising your kids a certain way. Why is that such a big deal? I'm a Christian just like you are. Come on, can't we all just get along? I, I, I mean, li, listen, the enemy of compromised fellowship is alive and real in many of God's people's lives today. And some of you, God help you, you're going to have to learn this and get this through your heads. You can minister to people without being in fellowship with them. There are things you can do to bless them and pray for them and help them and witness to them without going along with the foolishness. If you go along with it and then you try to witness to them, they won't listen. They'll think you're just like them. You know what this old man did? Look at verse number 15. He he, he says, uh, 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 verse verse 14, rather, Art thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. Look at verse 16. And he said, I may not return with you nor go in with you, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. Sounds pretty good so far. Sounds like what he told the king, right? For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. I'm just like you. I mean, I don't see what the big deal is. Why are you so stuck on like you can't, you think you're too good for me? Are you listening, guys? Is that not how it goes a little bit? You, so you think you're too good to hang out with me? I'm a Christian. Why do you think you're better than me? Listen, it has nothing to do with I'm better than you. It has to do with the fact that God said, I don't want you going that, another way than the one that I'm telling you. You need to go a different way and don't stop till you get home. That was the instruction that God gave him. Well, Well, I just don't see what the big deal is. That's fine for you. But you saying you're probably just like, I'm a Christian just like you are. I mean, we all worship the same God. What's the big deal? Can I say this? You don't have to be a jerk for Jesus to make a stand for Jesus. Right. You understand that? You don't have to go in there and go, all oh, you people are wicked. And I will not fellowship with you. You don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, I will not fellowship with you. <laughs> okay, you don't have to do that. But you will have to learn to say, when I compromise, can, can I say this? There are some Christians I wouldn't trust to walk my dog. <laughs> love me tender, love me sweet. Oh, Elvis. Elvis was a Christian. Everyone likes to make people Christians so that they can do what they want to do with that idol. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't trust Jimmy Carter to walk my dog. He's a Christian. I wouldn't trust, never say never, Justin Bieber to walk my dog. He's a Christian. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them. You say, well, they're just, well, we're all Christians. I wouldn't trust the leave of God. And I, I don't hate these people. They might genuinely be born again. It doesn't mean I should have fellowship with them. They're not living right. They're not exemplifying the life of Jesus Christ. And it's on me to go, I need to have enough discernment to say, you know what? I love you. I'll pray for you. But I'm not going to compromise my fellowship so that you can feel better about where you're at. And I'm sorry. And listen, this goes on with the entire age in which we live. We are changing government documents so that people that are living in a delusion can feel better about their delusion. That's right. You know, you go on, you know, man, male, female, uh, non-binary, you know, other. What would other even be? <laughs> but you know what? That's the same problem you got in your life. You have a hard time saying no because you don't want to look like a jerk. Can you? Can I say this? You can be pleasant. You can be gracious. But you can say, you know what, I've got to draw some lines in my life. Because if I don't draw these lines in my life, I will be exactly where I was five years ago. And you know what's funny? When the stuff hits the fan, you will not go to those same people that got you in the mess that you're in. That's right. You'll go find someone that's really harsh, you know, like someone that's really conservative. To help. You know what you're going to find? You're going to look for a Bible-believing Christian to help you out. You know what you need in your life right now? A Bible-believing Christian. You know what happens over in the book of Kings? Over, matter of fact, you're close. Look at 1 Kings chapter 22. You're not very far. Go to the right just a little bit. And, and there were two kings that got together. There was Jehoshaphat and, and uh, Ahab. And Ahab was a wicked king. He was one of the, Matter of fact, when you look at the Old Testament and God compares kings, he always compares them to David if they're righteous or Ahab if they're wicked. And so it's interesting, Ahab is like the standard for, like, like he's the standard for, like, F-minus, okay? And he gets the bad grade as a king in regards to his spiritual life with the Lord. And so, you know, here you've got Ahab, you've got Jehoshaphat, who's relatively a good king. And I want you to notice something in verse number four. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Ahab, wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, now those are some fatal words. I am as thou art. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, we're the same. We believe, like, we're the same. We're both of Israel. Yeah, but he's in a very different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahab, you are not. Joshua, you saying that puts you in a very, my people are as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And you know what he finds out pretty quickly? We're not on the same page here, man. They try to find a preacher to tell him what's right, and Jehoshaphat realizes all the guys that Ahab has around him are just yes-men that are telling him what he wants. Be careful with that in social media, by the way. If you're not careful, you are just living in an echo chamber to tell you whatever you want to hear and believe in your life. And so Jehoshaphat realizes, man, this is not exactly what I thought, but it's too late at that point, and he almost dies as a result of it. You say, why? Just because well, we're all the same. You know what Paul says? Paul says, I, I wish you would take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. He says this, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And by the way, that's not always a reference to lost people. Sometimes there are Christians that are walking in darkness. Darkness. And you've got, you don't have, I can't emphasize this enough. It's not about you and how righteous you are and how much better you are than anybody else. It's not about, it's about you and your walk with God. You know what's amazing to me? There'll be people that say, I have this issue, I've got anxiety or whatever. And everybody works around them and goes, how can we help you cope? Then a Christian says, I can't be around certain things. You think you're better than us? No, I don't. I think I'm probably just as bad or worse than you. I have not the willpower that I should, so I can't be around it. I just be honest with people. You know, And, and listen, can I say this right now? Be careful, and I'm not trying to pick on the young people, but just because someone comes to church doesn't mean they're living right. You better have enough discernment to go, you know what, if you're not walking with God, I can pray for you, I can love you, I can check in on you whenever I don't see you at church, but I ain't hanging out with you all the time. You know why? Because compromising my fellowship basically tells God, Lord, I really don't care about you as much as I do people. Lord, I, I know what your word says, but... You know what goats do all the time? They butt heads. You're not supposed to be a goat. You're sheep. So drop the butts, amen? And quit saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. No, it's, it's black and white. There are some things, listen, there's some fellowship that may not even be with people. Maybe it's with what you're letting into your eyes and in your ears online. And you're allowing darkness to come in and things that you wouldn't laugh about a year ago, now you're laughing. Things you wouldn't look at a year ago, now you're looking. Things you wouldn't think about a year ago, now you're thinking. Why? Because of compromised fellowship. That's an enemy on your path forward. And I don't care if you've been saved for one year or 25 years. You know what you need to learn to do? Get in some good company. I read a story about a, a farmer had these nasty crows that were just nagging him. And one day he goes out there. And no, you know, I know for some of you that use emojis, all you have now is the water gun emoji. I'm not talking a water gun, okay? I'm talking about a thing that goes like that. And he just, phew, and kills these crows, and all of a sudden, he looks over in the middle of that, of that bunch of crows that he just shot up, and he sees his, one of his pet parrots. And his boys go, oh, no, Dad, you killed, you know, whatever the parrot's name was. And all the dads said it was bad company. Sometimes you get it in the neck because you're into stuff you shouldn't be into. And then you'll justify it. And I'm going to help you right now. Let am help you out in 2023. And I've mentioned this in Sunday school. I'm going to mention it again. Quit asking what's wrong with it. Yeah, amen. Ask how it will make your fellowship with Jesus Christ better. That's right, amen. And if it will make it better, praise God, move on. That will be your new path forward. If it doesn't, let me just say right now, that's an enemy to getting you where God wants you to be. Look with me in Acts chapter 9. A little bit of Bible said this morning. I understand that. But, but do you realize that half your, half your New Testament is written by a guy named Paul? Do you realize that when Paul got saved, nobody wanted anything to do with Paul? That's right. That's right. I mean, let's be honest, man. If, like, I don't know if, uh, I'm trying to think of some bad dude, you know. Um, I don't know, some, some leader of Al-Qaeda or Intifada or Hezbollah or uh, the, the Taliban or whatever. If, if one of those guys got saved... And like the next day, he's like, I would like to come with you to church. You'd be like, I'll pray for you. (laughs) Right? Like you'd be a little leery of that guy. You say, why? Because last week, he's killing people that were like you. You know what Paul was? That was Paul in the first century. He was killing Christians. And you realize when he showed up, he's like, guys, I I, want to have some fellowship. They're all like, oh, okay, that's great, brother. Block. (laughs) Right? Don't accept that friend request. Block that guy right you, you say why do you know who that guy is he, he's, he's a murderer and paul was kind of the outsider looking in. look if you would at acts chapter 9 look at verse number 26 and saul was come to jerusalem he is said that means he wanted to join himself to disciples but they were all afraid of him right and believe not that he was a disciple with i gotta tell you i i wouldn't blame him too much yeah. I'd, I'd probably be where they're at but man i'm thankful for this one guy named barnabas look at verse 27 the Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord in the way, the way, the way, the way. Are you catching that? Another way. And they had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And you know what? The rest of the book of Acts takes a turn. And for the most of the rest of the book of Acts, it's following the life and ministry of the apostle Paul. Why? Because he found someone that would help him in his new way. I don't care if you've been, say, 20 years, gone to Bible school, rightly divide the Bible, seven mysteries, seven seven, seven resurrection, seven baptism, seven judgments, and know all that stuff. You need someone like that in your life. Male or female, you need someone like that. You need a Barnabas in your life that will help bring you along and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Can I say that the old prophet in 1 Kings chapter 13 was not that person? Go back to our passage if you would, the enemy of compromised fellowship. Can I give you a second enemy, First Kings chapter 13? Not only the enemy of compromised fellowship, how about the enemy of choosing your own authority? See, what do you mean by that? Well, can I point something out? Look at uh, verse 1. Verse 1, you notice the, the words, by the word of the Lord, you notice that? You guys see that in First Kings 13? Amen. All right, look, if you would, at verse number 5. Verse number five, do you notice at the end of the verse, by the word of the Lord? Look, if you would, at verse number nine, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord. Look at verse number 17. Verse number 17, you find the word for it was said to me by the word of the Lord. Look at verse number 18. He said to him, I'm a prophet also as thou art, an angel speaking to me. And then the guy lies and tries to use the word of God out of context to get the young man that was on the right track off that right track and onto the wrong one. Are you paying attention? Other people will use the Bible out of context to get you off the right path. Do you know what you need to watch out for in your life? Replacing the Bible as your authority. What other people say, human reasoning, what's convenient. Man, this goes back to the very beginning in the garden, back where the, the devil says, Yea, hath God said. You can add to it, you can subtract from it, or you can take it out of context, and you can make a mess of your life when you replace the Bible as your final thought. All up to that point, it's by the word, of Lord, 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 I got saved. By the word, of Lord, I got baptized. By the word, of Lord, I joined a church. By the word, of Lord, I started living right. By the word, of Lord, I started doing this. I started doing that. And then all of a sudden, Somewhere in your life, it's like, well, that's old-fashioned. Maybe we should try something different. Maybe maybe I should just, you know, the word of the Lord is kind of harsh in that stuff. You know, I just think it's a little harsh. I think myself, here's kind of what I think. You know, I, I know, I, I know what the Bible says, but if thou be, listen, the devil shows up to the Lord. He says, if thou be the Son of God. Why does he say that? To cast doubt on the word of God. There are going to be voices in your life that will literally do the exact same thing. William Shakespeare said this, Our doubts are traitors. Our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. A man wrote this, Let me meet you on the mountain, Lord, just once. You wouldn't have to burn a whole bush, just a few smoking branches, and I would surely be your Moses. Let me meet you on the water, Lord, just once. I'd be your Peter. Let me meet you on the road, Lord, just once. You wouldn't have to blind me on North Central Expressway, just a few bright lights on the way to church, and I would surely be your Paul. Let me meet you, Lord, just once, anywhere, anytime. Just meeting you in the Word is so hard sometimes. Must I always be your Thomas? You know what that's saying in so many words? What we think of ourselves, we think, if I was just there and I could see it, God's giving you everything you got right here. By the word of Lord, you got saved. Is that right or not? Right. Okay. By the word of Lord, you get baptized. By the word of Lord, you join a church. By the word of Lord, you get disciple. Then why does there come a point in your life where you go? The Bible is no longer relevant. When did that make sense to you? Right. I'll tell you when it starts to make sense to you when you start getting off the right track. Over there in the Old Testament, you got the story of Isaac, and. He's got this, his sons, Jacob and Esau. Like, you know the story. And Jacob comes to his dad and he puts the skins on. And he goes, Dad. And the dad goes, Wait, your voice is the voice of Jacob. But, Dad, feel me. Smell me. You know, you know what Isaac does? He goes, Okay. Yeah. Because Isaac is blind at that point, old oh, man. Well, I'm just going to trust my feelings this time. How'd that work out. out? You can replace the Bible. Listen, I know right now if I went to you and I said, Worship the devil. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. But if I tell you, trust your heart, follow your feelings, and and you might be right on this one, and listen to the human reasoning a little bit more, and maybe what's more convenient over the Bible, you will do that. You will find your way off the right track. And can I say this, by the way? When someone tells you the Bible is so dogmatic, and you shouldn't relieve everything in there, and some of it's outdated, especially that submission stuff. You know what? You know, it's funny about that. What they're saying is, don't listen to the Bible, listen to... You are never going to get away from having an authority in your life. That's right. The question is, which one is it? That's right. Is it that book or is it you? Is it that book or is it your children? Is it that book or is it your feelings? When you replace... Listen, you want to go a different way this year? I, I can tell you how to blow it right away. Replace the Bible as your final authority. Yeah. That's, right. that's exactly what this young man did. He listens to this old man go... Look, I'm a prophet like you are, and and God speaks to me, too. You think you're the only one, Lenny, that God speaks to in this church? God talks to me, too, sometimes. And here's what God told me to tell you. Hey, I don't know about you, but I got a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. I got direct access to the Father. I can go right to him. I can hear directly from him. And so when someone shows up and tells you the Bible's outdated and the Bible doesn't say what it means, and you just gotta look at it in a different light. I'll never forget I was at a wedding one time in uh, Kentucky, and this guy gets up and he goes, the word for submission in the Greek is this word, and what it really means is this. So it doesn't really mean that wives need to submit to what, what? <laughs> you know why that's you know why that's done? Oh, and don't you for a minute, for a minute, think to yourself, well, I'm just you know, I'm not male chauvinist. No, no, no. Come to my house for a while. Come on over. You'll see I take really good care of my wife. She's not a doormat at my house. She's not a doormat. I take very good care of my wife. I have, listen, I know that I told God if I could ever take care of my wife like I wanted to, I'd do it, and I'm doing it right now. No problem with that at all, but I'm going to tell you right now, you don't change God's structure because it's 20 stinking 23. You don't do that just because it makes people feel better about their sin. Listen, the Bible is the final authority. If you don't want it to be, fine. But don't play games and tell us it is when you know it's not. The compromise of replacing God's Word as your final authority. How about the enemy of delay? Look, if you would, at verse number 23. You know, there are some things that just... Okay, we we just got through Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Right? Are you guys awake this morning? I know it's warm in here. Something funky's going on with the heater. Just bear with us. We'll... We're going to be exiting out of here by the grace of God, here, Lord willing, in a few months. So just bear with it a little bit longer, right? But, but let, me, let, let, me, let me ask you this. Those leftovers. Now, look, there's some things that you can heat up so many times, but can I just say this? After the 10th time of heating up green bean casserole, it just isn't the same. Amen. Are you with me? That ham tastes amazing, and it really is good. Try heating up ham in April that you cooked in December. Some things just don't last. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right, right. Some things have an expiration date on them. Right. Some things—I'll I'll never forget—we were in Bolivia, South America, as missionaries, and uh, I'd go to this store called Hiped Maxi. I don't know if they have Brother uh, Alcorn, if the Alcorns ever got to go to Hiped Maxi. It's like a Walmart superstore, and I went—I th- went in there and I found American cereal. Now, guys, Americans are spoiled. You go to the grocery store, and there are there's like an entire aisle of on um, both sides racks up to here of every cereal you can imagine you want to be a hippie vegan you can find that kind of cereal you want to eat cardboard you can find it right Right. you want to eat deliciousness there are frosted flakes and lucky charms and apple jacks amen and amen and amen (laughs) it's all there for you man in in bolivia not quite as much but there was this this island in the the store there where they had cereal and i was so excited it was american cereal ariana you were just a a little tot, not even quite Years old yet, and she was with me, and uh, I, I did all this grocery shopping. I was so proud of myself. I drove a couple hours back to Camiti. I got home, unloaded. I'm, I'm getting out there. And I'm so excited. My wife looks at the box. She says, "Oh, this is so, honey. This expired a year ago." <laughs> and let me tell you, I was like, I was like, babe, let's just make the best of it. We poured it, <laughs> took a bite of it. I'm like, this is not of the Lord. <laughs> some things, listen to me. Some things are not the same when you wait on them. And and I want you to notice what ends up happening is this man, if you read the story, this man, the, the, the young man of God, goes with this older prophet and he sits at the table. Look at verse 20. I won't read all the verses, but he sits with him. And as he's sitting at the table, the word of the Lord comes to the old prophet and he basically tells him, you know what? You weren't supposed to do this. Look at verse 22. You weren't supposed to come with me. Dude, you tried to convince me to come. Now you're telling me I shouldn't have come? Exactly, because the word of God doesn't change. Amen. So here's this old prophet now telling him, You shouldn't have come. And he said, like, Well, you invited me. Yeah, but here's what God says about that. And then you know what ends up happening? This young man dies, he gets eaten by a lion. You know what the kicker is? Look at, uh, look if you would at verse number 28. He went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion stood by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. So here's this man riding on a donkey, going where he should have gone to begin with, and a lion kills him, but he doesn't eat his whole body. He just does enough to kill him and then lies down there next to the dead body and leaves the donkey alone, which, if you know anything about lions, they're carnivores, right? So they they eat meat. So the donkey would be just as appealing as the man, and yet he doesn't touch him. You know what that's basically saying? The Lord did that. The Lord did that. And You know what this man did, this young prophet, this young man of God? I think a great picture of a Christian, not only did he replace the word of God as his final authority, not only did he compromise his fellowship, but he delayed doing what he should have done. If you look down at verse 23, you know what the young man does? This man of God, he does exactly what God tells him to do after he does what he wants to do first. I'm gonna get on my trip. I'll get back on the. I'll get back on the horse. Let me just say this: sometimes you get back on the horse and it just isn't the way that it should be. And right. I'm not telling you. <laughs> watch out if you're not living right. There's a lion that's gonna eat you outside the church. Ah, you know. I, I. I get that's not where we're going with this, but do you realize you can you can you can maim a lot of people spiritually? That's right. And your spiritual life can come with a screeching halt like that. Because you say, you know what? I can do what I want. I can be with who I want. I can, I can think whatever I want. I can have whatever authority I want. And Lord, I'll get back to what you want me to do. But I'm, I'm just going to do it in my own time. From verses 23 to 26, you need to read, by the way, in the way, from the way. There was a way that God had this young man on. And he decided, you know what? I can do it. I'll just do it later. Do you know what the Lord does with, supernaturally in the wilderness for Israel? He rains down manna from heaven. And it says it's round like a coriander seed. And, oh, there's all kinds of lessons about where manna comes from and what it actually is. I can't get into all that right now. But here's what I can tell you. The Lord told them, you collect all that manna and you don't let it sit out there. Because if you let it sit out, there, something I supernaturally rained down from heaven to feed you. If you let it sit, it breeds worms and it stinks. The very thing that I gave you as a blessing would be a curse based on the timeline that you exhibit in your life in acquiring it. Does ma- this make any sense? You sitting on what God says is right does not mean you're obeying in your own time. It means you're disobeying in God's time. That's right. And delaying what God tells you to How about this, ladies? Your husband comes to you a month at your anniversary. Happy anniversary. Mmm. Mm, no, not good, right? I don't speak female leaves, but I understood that one. That was not good. You know what that is? You better remember. At least I remembered. Try that, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've seen people start coming to church and making God a priority, and then all of a sudden they go, I'll get back to it. I've seen people come to church, get right with God, and years down the road... They're broadcasting things on social media that are perverted and wicked. You go, how, how does it happen? Well, just sit on something long enough. That's right. Sit on what God tells you to do long enough. You know, I, I'm going to give a little warning for some of you that are older. You've been around church for a long time, and you go, well, I'm done. You're not done because you're still breathing. That's right, and maybe you can't do everything you used to do, but there's something you can do, and you sitting on the sidelines going, ah, Well, there's nothing for me to do. I can't stand when some Christian goes, there's nothing for me to do around here. Come see me. There's plenty to do. (laughs) You know what you can do sometimes as a Christian? Just sit on things. When the Lord says, I want you to move. Southwest cancellations. Anybody follow that on the news lately? You know, we're so smart. After watching all that, we bought three more tickets on Southwest. Yeah. You know there's a ripple effect when one flight gets canceled? Then another flight gets canceled. Then another, are, you, are you following me? Mm-hmm. Where are you at in that ripple effect? The thing is, you don't know. You don't know the other lives you're going to affect. That's right, about but you will affect lives. That's right. For every positive thing I can think of, and someone bringing someone to church, and someone getting saved out of that, and praise God for that. There's a Christian that sat on something that they shouldn't have sat on, and that caused a ripple effect, and it could have led to someone staying lost. You know what David says when Absalom is dead? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Well, why didn't you deal with Absalom when you had a chance? You know where this starts? Well, if you look at verse 14 in our passage, the young man is just sitting under an oak. You know, when you sit, when God hasn't told you to sit and God's told you to move, it can cause you a lot of hardship, Amen. a lot of hardship. You know, um, I'm not trying to pick on him, but I know Brother Felix and his, his family have been praying about moving closer to church. And, you know, I guess you're moving some of that stuff today, right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Y- you know what that is? Lord, I want to be closer to whatever you have in my life. I want you, I want you to do it. Praise God for that. It's a blessing. Can I tell you, there's some things, though, that if you just sit on them and sit on them and sit on them and sit on them and sit on them, sit on them they, they don't always come out the way you want them to. That's right, amen. This young man thought, I can get back to it. Yeah, you can, but what happens in the end of your story? Here's the problem. We don't know the end of anyone's story. We're living in it right now. That's right. Here's all I can tell you. I want to hear him say, well done. Amen. Let me give you one last enemy, the enemy of tarnished, a tarnished testimony. Look, if you would, at verse 26. You know who this young man was? He was the man of God up to this point known as the man that stood up to the king. Matter of fact, he's called the man of God in verse 26. He's called the man of God in verse 29. He's called my brother by the older prophet in verse 30. He's called the man of God in verse 31. And yet, can I show you in verse 26 that this is now what he's known for? It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Can I say that as unfair as it may be, that you do all this right stuff in your life as a Christian, and then you get off course, that people don't remember all the good stuff, they remember the bad. That's just human nature. It's a reality dealing with people. Amen. And do you realize this young man had a great ministry up to this point, and now do you know what they're remembering him for? He's the young man that died because he was disobedient to God. Amen. Yeah, But what about all the other stuff he did? Yeah, but this is what you remember him for. See, well, why is that a big deal? Let me remind you, who, who's the king that the young man stands up to at the beginning of the chapter? Anybody remember his name? Jeroboam? Sound good? Jehu, Jeroboam, Jehoshaphat, just J-something, right? It's Jeroboam. Look at the end of our story. Look, if you would, at verse number 33. After this thing, first three words. After what thing? After what the young man, the man of God, did. Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. Can I remind you that the things that you do as a Christian affect other people? Amen. And you may may think your life doesn't matter to anybody else. You know what it says about the remnant in Revelation? They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Testimony. Your testimony matters. People are watching you. You, well, I don't want them to watch me. They are. You get up, you go to church on Sunday, they're watching you. Right? And if you get off path, they're going to know. You know what it may do for some of them? It may just go, eh. If the very guy that put his finger in my face and said, you better repent, if he didn't do right, I want to try to impress this upon you. You have a privilege, but also a responsibility because the world is watching. In the 1800s, there was a man named John Getty, not John Gotti, don't, not a mafia thing here. <laughs> he left the pastorate of a church in Canada to take his wife and two small kids to the South Sea Islands to begin a mission work. After a voyage of more than 20,000 miles, they arrived in New Hebrides Islands at Anidam. The island chain was filled with cannibals, and more than 20 crew members of a British ship had been killed and eaten just months before the Gettys arrived on the mission field. Anybody want to go to that mission field? They had to learn the language. Difficult. There was no written form, and they were constantly being threatened to being killed. Little by little, They led someone to Christ, and that person got to lead another person to Christ. A few converts came, and after that, many more received the gospel. He continued his ministry faithfully, including translating the entire Bible into the native language and planting 25 churches. For many of those years, Getty labored with little help and little word from home, but God was faithful to his servant. In the pulpit of the church where he pastored for so many years, stands a plaque in his honor which says, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here, and when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. Would to God they say that about us. You see, your testimony matters. See, I want to go a different way forward. Okay, don't compromise your fellowship. Keep this as your final authority. When God shows you where to go, don't sit on that. And remember that your testimony matters to other people. Let's all stand. Father, we want to start this year off the right way. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the warnings that we find in it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to... Slow down long enough, Lord. This is a a message for our home crowd. I believe you orchestrated this for a reason today. Lord, I just pray that you would minister to hearts. God, I pray that your people would respond as you've communicated and conversed with them throughout the message. Lord, I, I pray that we would go another way this year. And, Lord, I I don't know how it ended up for the wise men, but I know how it ended up for this guy, and it wasn't good. And, Lord, I know sometimes you give us those examples in the Bible to show us which way not to go in. Lord, would you help us to keep in mind the stories here to remind us it's a warning. Lord, we want to go a different way, another way. And, Lord, we know there's going to be enemies on that path. Would you help us to identify them and fight them and move forward for Jesus? In 2023, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord's dealt with you. Come forward. The altar's open. Take advantage of it. Yeah, let me let me give you this. Maybe one of the greatest things you could do is start your year off at the altar. I'm not. I'm not trying to manipulate you. If you're not under conviction, there's nothing God gave you in the message. That's fine. But I will say this. I think sometimes the biggest delay that some Christians make is falling on their knees and admitting where they're at and saying, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is me. This is me. And Lord, I I, I talk about how I want to change a lot, but when the rubber hits the road, Lord, these are the enemies in my life and I just, I give in. Or would you help me to fight them? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ went up differently than how he came? <laughs> he went up the glorious victor over the grave. He came in this world as a humble baby, he didn't leave that way. You left differently. Aren't you thankful for the testimony of other believers that have pointed you in the right direction, that have helped you? Maybe it's time for you to be that for somebody else. Maybe for some of you this year, it's time to take the training wheels off and just say, Lord, I I, want to stay moving in the right direction. I know that means I need to leave differently than how I came when you look at the failures of the past from a spiritual standpoint oftentimes there's a compromising of what we're allowing to be fellowship in our lives there's, there's a, a, a doubting of God's word there's a replacement of his word as our authority there's a delay in action I'm, I'm going to get to it but I'll get to it later and there's a complete ignorance, like just no self-awareness at all that what I do affects other people. The Bible says in Romans, none of us liveth to himself and none of us dieth to himself. You know what? That's a, 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 an older way of saying you are not an island as much as you want to pretend that you are. And some of you might be good at pretending that, but you're not. Your life affects other people. And how greatly God could use it for good how many souls could be reached? How many people could be ministered to? How many amazing things God wants you to be a part of? See, it goes both ways. It's not just, you know, uh, uh, you reap what you sow, that's always bad. No, no, no. Sometimes it's a positive thing. God wants you to reap some good things. But you got to be mindful of your testimony. for some maybe not for all for some it might just simply be does it really matter to anyone else if i come to church can i say this when you're here it affects people when you're not it affects people you got it you got it maturing maturity in business in family in life in the spiritual in the spiritual realm all of it there's one common thread maturity is evident when you quit just thinking about you And you start thinking about how your life affects other people. That's when real maturity starts taking place. Father, I want to grow. I want to to go further with you. I want to go in the right direction. Okay. Don't forget your testimony matters. Paul says, you've known my doctrine, my purpose, my manner of living, my conversation. Song she's playing is "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus." I'd encourage you to do that this year. That's a good thing. Get your eyes on Him. Thank you, Amen. Thank you for coming today, and uh, appreciate your attention for the Word of God. I, I do pray sincerely that all of us, right, starting right here. Okay, if there's something that's going to compromise my walk with God, it's not coming in. If, if there's something that's going to get me to doubt God's Word is my final authority. I'm cutting that off. Look, look, you need to understand this. At some point, when you make the Bible your final authority, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say you're in a cult. I believe the world's in a cult. The media cult. The spirit of Antichrist cult. I mean, I could go on and on, but, but you're going to make something your authority. I would encourage you to make it the Word of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. thanks for coming today. We hope to see you Wednesday night, seven o'clock. Oh, I forgot to mention this. We have a missionary, our missionary to Scotland. Brother Tyler Campbell will be here this Wednesday night, uh, preaching and uh, great preacher, good friend of our church, doing a great work over there. I encourage you to be here Wednesday night, seven o'clock. The kids will enjoy him as well because he's like a giant kid, okay so so you will you will enjoy that. Be here for that Wednesday night. 7 o'clock, let's dismiss in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Eric if you'd ask God's blessing on the word today.